Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Just before we start this week's episode, I do want to say a very special shout out to those of us that are going through the new stage four lockdown requirements in Melbourne and also the other Victorians that are now in stage three. This is going to be a tough time, but we will get through this. I don't want to sound like every ad and every other politician that is telling us what to do and how to do it. I'm just like you guys. I'm at home. I've got a business that's closed, working from home and doing what I can to support those around me. And all I can do is ask everyone to look out for each other. If you have a loved one that might be struggling, please reach out to them. If you have a friend that you know might be doing it a bit tough, reach out to them. If you're doing it a bit tough there are, and you can't reach out to someone or you don't feel like you can, well, you always can. There's someone there to reach out to. There are organisations in place beyond Blue and Lifelines that are there to talk to if you need to talk to. But just look out for yourself and look out for those around you. It's a really, really important time because in six weeks' time, we all need to come back to the golf course happy as we can be and ready to go again. That is our goal. When we get back out there, we want to play good golf. If we look after our mental space, each other's friendship, love, camaraderie, keep that going, well, we can give ourselves the best chance of coming out of it and getting back on the golf course and playing some good golf. Thanks for listening. I hope you didn't feel like I'm preaching. I just wanted to say... I'm thinking of you. We're all thinking of you here, the My Love of Golf podcast, Mrs. My Love of Golf, Rocket, the production crew, which is Lockie. We're all thinking of everyone and we're in it together and we do appreciate you. Okay, now to resume normal programming for this week's episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Yes, I've got the one and only here on the line with me. It's a Roscoe and Rocket episode. We've got a couple of tournaments to uh, cover off, but more importantly, we've got a very big first major of the year. It's in August, oh. first major of the year. We've got the man hanging there. Can't not bring him in without his music. Here he is, the Rocket Man. Rocket Man, how are you there? Welcome back to another episode. Haven't spoken to you for a couple of weeks now. Are you well? I'm good. I'm good. Good message at the start. Mate, thank you. Um, I, I will. I will ask you. How are you going, my friend? Uh, I'm doing all right. I think I had a couple of days this week. I think Monday, Tuesday it was. Um, I think Monday, Tuesday. I spoke to my boss about this, and I think he was. Uh, he knew I was a bit flat. And he's like, Dave, you have to do nothing. If anyone that I know, probably been impacted the most uh, during this period. And I go right back to March when you were probably the first person that I knew that, you know, started the self-isolation process. Um, you were very vigilant with that. and Yeah, I went early too, didn't I? You did. And a couple of weeks. And you maintained that pretty stringently through the post-lockdown period, you know, and you've been very diligent, as, as I said. And now we face it now and, you know, we're not going to make this episode a lockdown two episode, but you know you're, you've got family uh, and your wife's family affected in Italy. You know your sister-in-law did a great piece in the media about yep. the um, spread of COVID in the very early time. So you know, of anyone that I know, you've been very, very close to it, and you know you started a new role in the midst of it all. Yeah, I know four weeks in. Yeah, you know, we speak every couple of weeks. We don't speak all the time, but we speak every couple of weeks, and I just hope that you're okay. You know, now that we can't go anywhere and we can't play golf again, what what are you what are you doing to um you know keep yourself in uh, you know fine fettle out there in uh, Rocketland? I've I've resorted to, and I think I might have to try and 
I think I've got some old carpet outside, so I might put it in the study behind my desk. So when I'm on long Zoom calls, that I don't have to be quite the major participant or the uh, the facilitator. Um, I've been getting a few clubs out and just sort of just even just little swinging motions of just trying to get my takeaway right. Mm-hmm. Done that a fair bit. Try and spend any time I can, even just outside. So it's been a bit disappointing the last couple of weeks. You know, the weather's been a little bit ordinary, but any time I see the sun out, I, I will literally almost run outside to just sit out in the driveway just to soak up some sun. I've uh, gone quite mental in the uh, in the front yard, so I've done a fair bit of uh, pruning at the moment. So the uh, the steel chainsaws and the and the uh, and the and the and the and the husky right on's been getting a bit of a bit of a workout. Now let's talk about that for a sec. You posted a video on the weekend, and this is for the lawn yeah. fans, the lawn lovers, yeah. and we do have a few that follow us uh, purely probably because of their you know lawn fetish. Um, and some which, that might unsubscribe us if I keep talking about it. Well, potentially, but Gilly. she'll come back. Um, what was the go with mowing in the dark? It was that was on Saturday, so I'd done a heap of. Um, I'd cut down a heap of trees that had just sort of overgrown. A couple, couple of dodgy ones where I reckon for, we had a windy night, they'd probably fall over and they were a little bit close to the house. And I had a couple of uh, cherry blossoms and some others that just needed a bit of pruning. And then I'm looking at the lawn going, oh, I might give her a bit of a mow. And it was about 4.30 when I sort of started. And then I was sort of, and because it was still reasonably, still a bit wet, um, I was just trying to sort of take it easy and it was a bit long. Night fell quite early and uh, lucky I've got uh, lights on that bad boy. So I had headphones on, went and grabbed a jumper so I was nice and warm and uh, I had a podcast rolling. I just mowed in the dark. <laughs> Greenkeeper apprenticeship practice, uh, you know, you put that in your resume. Uh, very good. Well, mate, you stay you stay well out there and uh, – as always, you know, I'm always here if you need to, to ring and uh, I'm sure we'll get a few more podcasts in in the next six weeks. That's the plan anyway from my end. Now, mate, there's, there's been a bit happening since we last spoke. I think we were on the eve of the – now I'm going to refer to the Rocket Names uh, name. We were we were on the eve of – well, I'll call it the proper name and you can give it the Rocket Name, the 3M. Okay. Post-it it, note. Post-it note. Classic Championship. What do we call it? Yeah, post-it note. Post-it note classic. Okay, post-it note classic. So that was a couple of weeks ago. And uh, tell us, Michael Thompson, Do we, we don't know too much about Michael Thompson. What do you, what do you know? Uh, journeyman on tour. I think he hasn't – I think he, the last time he'd won was about seven years ago. He's been thereabouts, sort of nothing, anything more than just making sure he retains his card every year and makes money. He was – I think he's leading at the halfway mark and was able to get the job done. Uh, I, I don't know enough about his story. I haven't seen his interview, but everyone talked about his interview post round. You know, because he's um, him and his wife have adopted a couple of children, um, so you know he talked a lot about that in terms of time he'd taken away from tour as well to you know spend more time or look after his family. Um, so you know, that's what I love about some of these events with these almost no names that win events. There's always a story behind what they do. So, you know, that was really good. Um, and then the other thing that was, um, I thought was fantastic, and and I made the call on our last podcast, is, um, you know, Max Homer contending, um, and he was thereabouts. 
um, come over the weekend and and had a couple of opportunities to potentially you know tie sort of late, just didn't quite pull it off. Um, but then what made it even better is you know and this is what I love about him and the podcast he does. The very next day he did a podcast, his podcast with Shane Bacon, and he talked about his mentality, his thinking through the whole event and stuff like that. It's just, I don't know, I love the guy. It's riveting stuff. Um, and apart from that, you know, we had a good finish from um, the Aussies. So Cam Davis um, finally, you know, getting up there and making a decent check. Um, apart from that, you know, the course is it's okay. It's a bit very boring. You know, good old bads. Yeah, there we go. Pat Perez. T23 for the bad, the bads. Yeah, Pat Perez, you know, especially the way he wears his hair, it looks like he's still isolating. It's really interesting the way that the PGA Tour are handling all of this and I guess a whole load of American sports are, you know, got their own take on the COVID-19, you know, uh, environment, um, handling of you know, patrons, no patrons, you know, everyone's doing it a bit different, but... Uh, you know the the golf with no fans is, is it's different to watch, and we've spoken about it before now because we've been watching golf for a few weeks. But it's different to watch, and it uh, must be different for these guys to be playing in. And um, yeah, oh, I reckon right because imagine if you're that guy that gets a bit of momentum, um, and you're usually used to you know a bit of crowd pumping sort of stuff, and you know it might be the thing that gives you a bit of a lift. Um, you know that that's sort of not there, so. You know, your energy levels might be a little bit different. Or then you could be someone like Jimmy Walker, who's just used to people backstopping and stuff like that. So he's got no crowds or, or marquees to, you know, bounce things off. So, you know, each each their own. You can see here from the, that week that the fields did start to get, you know, a little bit more international. You can see a few of the overseas players have started to come back. I know Herbie went yeah. across, you know, a good maybe four or five weeks ago to start his preparation. He, he, he tried to pre-qualify for, for for this one and he shot five under and was still three out of the qualifying. I did think we mentioned that last time. So, um, yeah, there's, the fields are, are changing. And if we move, was there anything else from uh, the 3M that, you know, stuck out for you? Any? You know, uh, it- Bryson didn't play. And so I think the, um, the people up there in Minnesota were really disappointed that, he wasn't there to motivate them to try and reach their total human potential. <laughs> oh dear. Um, so the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational, which otherwise goes by the aforename mentioned name of, what is it? Alligator Swamp Classic. Why the Alligator Swamp Classic for those that have asked me, why does Rocket have such weird and wonderful names? What's the go with the Alligator Swamp Classic Rocket? Well, it's in Memphis, and it's played in the so it's played in the south, and there's lots of water on that course, and it's played at the time of the year where it's just the hottest and most stickiest and yuckiest. So you might as well play it in an alligator swamp. That's uh, essentially what it is. Are there alligators there at this course? Is this one of those courses where an alligator is nah, like it? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay, no, just, but alligator swamp just sounds good. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Well, that, that's your segment, mate. You can call it whatever you want. <laughs> so, uh, what did you? What were your takeaways from uh, the WGC FedEx and Jude? Well, first of all, no cut event. Our, our man, our, lo- our our local resident, you know, uh, Herbie 
playing in the the WGC, so it was good there was no cut. Um, he finished, ended up finishing tie for 49th. Um, he had a good final round, and the course was just it's just plain wet. So the problem is that you've got a course like that in a it's hot, steamy, it's in the south, it's all Bermuda, and then so you don't lose the course, they actually have to water it. So you can't actually make it firm and fast. And then even the weather there was terrible. So it was getting heaps of rain as well. So it's just, it was, I don't know. If Herbie was going to practice for that, he might as well have played Waverley in winter. So just bomb and gouge. Yeah, right. Um, and apart from that, you know, it was, it was just, the course played actually quite tough. Uh, I think because of the rough, obviously then obviously no fans, doesn't get sort of trampled down too much. Um, it was quite humid. A lot of key players did not play. So even Adam Scott didn't play. Um, Tiger and that didn't play because I think it's just trying to manage. They're trying to just reduce their own personal risk, but at the same time, just manage what they're doing. And, you know, a warm-up, like you're going to go sweat your, sweat your guts out down there as a warm-up to the PGA. Uh, I don't know. It's challenging. It was, a, know, str- it was the- a strong field. It was a pretty good field. Yeah. It still wasn't a terrible field, you know, even though you think about who was missing. Um, I think the field was a little bit bigger than, than, than normal. I think I was just trying to sort of fill it out. Um, so obviously the, the winner obviously being Justin Thomas, and it's good for him because, you know, he's been quite close. He's had really good form um, since the, the return back on the tour. So he's had a couple of close misses. So it was good to see him um, raise a trophy on one, sort of reward for effort for the last, six, seven weeks. Um, but you know what? Who cares? It's all about my man, Brooks. But you know what? The best thing about that, even though he was leading, he didn't win. Keeps the, keeps the record intact. That means this event is not a major. Didn't well, win. Not a major. So you're, you're claiming that uh, with him, what did he do? Bail, he bailed one into the water on the last? Oh, yeah. I think he had to, he had to make birdie up the last to, um, to make to tie um, JT, and he's um, he's tugged it left into the into the um, into the drink. So it just takes a little bit of the foot off the gas pedal, so he frees him up for his tilt at the three peat. Is that right? That's it. That's, all, that's, that's what it's all about. Are you, are you working for Brooks as part of the strategy team? You know, you... I cannot confirm or deny. <laughs> but it was a pretty uh, international field at the top half of the. Uh, the, the leaderboard there. Well, that's you know, Tommy Lewis finished second. Yeah. Jason J- Day. Jason Day. Yeah. The Mattress King. The Mattress King, Louis. Well, do you know what was really interesting is um, the conspiracy theories. Because it's the WGC FedEx um, Championship, Louis Oosthausen is sponsored by UPS, so the other courier company. And uh, there's a conspiracy theory. They called it a brownout because UPS's um, branding is um, brown. And uh, during the whole tournament, even though Louis was contending, was not shown on the telecast. There you go, listeners. You heard it here again. A brownout. A brownout. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> um, Still one of the greatest days of my life, standing next to Louis Oosthuizen on the range at uh, the Australian, watching him. Yeah, within Dude, within about five metres away of hitting golf balls. It's probably uh, it's one of the great – anyway, just to rub that back in and name drop. But, uh, yeah, um, Shane Lowry, 
Another one, yes. of, another one of our favourites on the podcast here. Well, he actually performed all right. I think yeah. it's like the first event he's played probably since the Open. I think he's been celebrating in pubs all around Ireland since. Why wouldn't you? Oh, I'd still be there. <laughs> Matt, um, Matt Fitzpatrick was up there uh, near Shane. Um, yeah, yeah. So he, do, do you yeah. like Matt Fitzpatrick? Do you rate oh, him? Look, he's all right. He's all right. I don't know. He's um. I don't know, he doesn't quite really do it for me mm. from the British guys. You know, I like a little bit of, I don't know, a bit of volatility, you know, like your Poulter and Tyrrells and um, Eddie Peps, you know, okay. guys with a little bit of, little bit of, um, you know, mongrel in them. Who else? Yeah, some of the other big names up there, Dustin Johnson, uh, the the human billboard, Ricky Fowler up there, Scotty Scheffler. Well, Ricky, well, it was a shame for Ricky to finish in the end. So he was actually playing really well for round one to three and kind of felt like his um, his swing had sort of fallen into place. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, I think he was paired with um, Brooks playing on the final round and he just, um, he just, I don't know, just didn't quite finish it off under pressure. So maybe he's getting a little bit closer with um, getting the swing change sort of sorted out, which would be good to see. No, I know I'd rag on him, but, you know, if he makes these changes and it turns him back into a contender again in in events and majors, you know, good. Just got to put in the work. And I think he maybe he's putting in the work, even with all the car activations. Oh, I don't mind the car activation when it's for my <laughs> old friends at Mercedes Benz, and shout out to those guys there for um, you yeah. know supporting golf uh, globally, not only in America and with some individuals, but all around the world. Twelve years at that place, you'll never get the star out of my uh, out of my vision, mate. But anyway, German engineering, yeah, can't yeah, beat it. yeah, well. Um, so, do we see uh, any of the the winners for talking moving out of this? Was it, well, sorry, start again. Anything else that you want to uh, comment on? in relation to the WGC FedEx was, did anything substantially happen that, you know, that you can bring to the listeners that they otherwise may not have picked up on? Brooks and not Brooks. Actually, yeah, it's a bit of Brooks. Brooks just taunting Bryson. Ah, uh, yes. must not like him. <laughs> so if anyone didn't see it, because they probably didn't, because unless you have a golf TV subscription, you can't see a WGC event. So that's just still stupid. But um, I think it was round number two. Bryson's hit it into into the rough, and he had a heap of sticks and stuff like that. So he had a real manky lie, and he's called the official over because he was claiming that there were animal burrowings and there were fire ants all around his ball. So it was, you know, he wanted to get a drop. And uh, lo and behold, the official that was on call was the same one that he abused at the memorial for the for the out of bounds fence. And this guy wouldn't have a bar of what Brooks, um, not Brooks, Bryson was um, saying because Bryson's trying to point out there's an ant. And he's like, there is no ant. There's no ant here. And he just walked, played as it lies, walk off. Oh, the very on. next day. Hold on. Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry, that was the karma bus leaving. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Doot, doot. yeah. Um, and then the very next day, um, Bryson, I think, was, I don't know if it was on the same hole. But it was like a similar situation, 
and um, he's got his club, and um, obviously there's not many people around, just the camera crew and stuff like that. And he just yelled out, "Goes oh ants!" <laughs> and his caddy Ricky's like jumped back and nearly dropped the bag. And Brooks is laughing, and he goes, "No, I'm just kidding. There's no ants. It's an absolute definite, just like shot across the bow at uh, at Bryson. He's laughing." He's just giggling. Brooks was just giggling his head off. Well, there's history. Oh, there's history there, and I don't think uh, if you Brooks Kepke, you're probably going to be a couple of years. You're probably going to get a couple of more years value out of uh, you know Bryson's previous taunts. You know, can you come and tell your boss not to uh, wind me up? And you know, Brooks just fronting him on the putting going. There's probably a little bit more value that Brooks can get out of that. So, um, and, and I'm sure Bryson will keep delivering for him. No worries. Um, and then I think the other thing is they did an interview with Bryson and I think it was during the tournament and I don't even know how he got in this topic and it must have been just trying to give – it would have been – it's like the interview he was probably wanting to give at the 3M the week before and uh, he was talking about he with technology, he's really hoping to live to 120 to 130 years old, maybe so he can reach his – human potential. Mm. What an interesting concept from an interesting interesting man once again. Anyway, 120. Who knows? You know, they've just brought some people back from space. You know, maybe they've picked up something magic up there. Who knows? Back from space. <laughs> space. <laughs> <in> the moment. <laughs> his, his, brain, his brain is somewhere in hovering around the International Space Station. He's a literal space cadet. Now, mate, let's uh, let's move into the PGA Championship. So, finally a major. Finally a major. It's been a long wait, and we are back with a major. Playing it at TPC Harding Park, yeah. Correct. In San Francisco. Love Thought, that town. Thoughts on TPC Harding Park? Have you played there, Rocket? Uh, no, I haven't. Although it's like there's so many courses in such a short, basically spitting distance, because you got. TPC Harding Park. Right next to that is Lake Merced, or Merced, wherever you want to pronounce it. And around the corner from that, you've got Olympic Club, which is then the lakeside and the ocean course and the par three, little par three course on the hill, cliffs. And then down around the road, you've got San Francisco Golf Club. Um, and I'm trying to think, I think Cow Club's not far down the road either. So you've got like some crazy, crazy good courses in such a short space, and then you've got TPC Harding Park, which we know from the uh, not the last but the, the previous to last uh, Presidents Cup, correct? Yeah, that's the one where Tigers. That's the Tiger Twelve. I think I can't remember if it's the last hole in whatever singles match he was playing, and he's got this like four iron back up the hill, cold and just stripes his forearm and does the sickest club twirl ever and like I think he knocks it to like a foot, foot and a half. Crowd goes mental. Ah. Target time. So where do we see a winner coming from? Who who are your... Uh... Brooks. Brooks. Sorry. sorry three-peat. Yeah, three-peat. Sorry, that was my bad. I should have been on the yep. front foot with that, but uh, I was behind the eight ball there. So Brooks. We've had the reporter that... Asked him if he was down on confidence, and um, he gave a quite interesting, terse response to that. 
um, and that was at the um, the WGC last week. Um, he lost to JT, so he'll be pretty mad about that. Um, he's even though he's the bookie's favourite, everyone else is talking about Bryson, JT, John Rahm, Rory. They're talking about everyone else. No one is talking about the fact that the man's going for a three-peat after he'd just done a, went for a three-peat last year and nearly pulled it off at the US Open. Like, so all he needs is one little chip on his shoulder, which I think he's found. He might have a couple. And the man is just, he's ready to just eat this field up, chomp down on him. Well, if form's anything to go by, uh, he's... Hasn't played heaps and heaps of golf, but he's obviously up there in that field very well, very high from last week. So you could be on a thing. What else? Who's, who, who then? Who then is next? Who's going to contend? Uh, I think it's going to be interesting because you've got – of course, it's pretty long. Um, it's being played in San Francisco in August, September. So the temperatures are actually going to fluctuate a bit. So we've already seen the temperatures actually, the forecast is actually for mild sort of temperature. So there'll be plenty of jumpers. You get a bit of the, the, the rolling mist coming in from the bay. Uh, the rough's going to be long. Water is thick. No crowds to trample it down. So driving it straight, moving the ball around, power greens. Someone that's going to understand putting on California greens, especially power. So someone has history there. So, you know, you could say Tiger and Phil, Brand Snedeker, you know, even like a Colin Morikawa, Max Homer, who have history on putting on California greens. Um, then it's the form guys, right? So it's John Rahm, Rory, who gets talked about all the time. Even Jason Day's been thereabouts. You only look at the top 20 in the world and you could pick any one of those um, that could contend. Adam Scott, who's he's going to see his first tournament in five months, but he's still been playing golf and doing lots of things in Australia. So could he just be just mentally so fresh and ready to rock and roll? Um, so could actually be, this actually could be really hard to pick. Outside of Brooks, if I was to pick anyone, it could actually be really hard because it could be anyone because there hasn't been a really long, you know, we haven't seen six months of form. We've only just had short exposed form. Um, you know, people having to deal with their own isolated so isolation because they've essentially finished the tournament, go back to the hotel. So, you know, their mental state and how they're handling that could be a factor as well. Have they been on the road for a long time? I'm going to rule Tiger out because I reckon it's going to be too cold. So his back is going to be frozen. Webb Simpson, he's been playing well. Okay, so who are you? Who are you three? So Brooks. I'd say Brooks is my favourite. Oh, I feel like John Rahm will be Bro there. Brooks, Rahm, and must, must be a Smokey. Smokey, uh, Van Royen. Eric Van Royen from South Africa, mm -hmm. the man with the best pants in the game. Okay, fair mm -hmm. enough. He's finished in the top 15 
six out of the, like the last ten majors. Finished third in the USPGA last year. Yeah, he's a he's a player. Uh, who do I think? Oh, was that a question for me to guess? Yeah, well, it's a it's a hard one um, for me. Brooks, he'll be top three. I'm going to go Brooks top three. I'm going to go Herbie top fifteen, and I'm going to go Phil top five. A winner. Ooh, lefty. A winner. Webb Simpson. There you go. I'm, wow. Is a, a smoky. Well, well, he's got California form, so he won yeah. the he won the 2012 U.S. Open just around the lake at Olympic Club. Often talked about on the podcast, uh, he still intrigues me to this day whenever I see him swing a golf club, but it obviously works. And uh, it's an outsider. Down. He's it, amazing. It's an outsider, but he's, he's, he's going all right. So. I wouldn't call it an outsider. He's well, no, in the world. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But you just don't think about it. He doesn't come top of mind, but he yep. could win. He could win. Webb Simpson, great hair. Although, although maybe we're also discounting JT, right? Because, you know, he's had really good form. He's won this event once before. His game's reasonably complete. Maybe we're maybe I'm being a bit dismissive of Justin Thomas. Not a back to back. He's he's not a two week in a row winner, unless you can prove me wrong. Oh, I think when he was I think it was twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen, he had a he had a decent a run streak, where he yeah. won a heap of tournaments in a row. Okay. But you know, right, it's it's very hard to win back to back and maybe that was part of Brooks' plan. It's like, oh look, better dump this one in the water. I can't <laughs> don't want to be winning back to back. Oh uh, first of all, can't win another tour event. It'll ruin my average of um, majors to tour event wins. And two, you know, I need a chip on my shoulder. Now, mate, Maybe, I can, and again, I can't confirm or deny that that's what the Kepka camp was talking about. Well, it's going to be an interesting to watch event. Feels going to be strong. Uh, there's a few Aussies in there, few internationals. I did like uh, the piece that uh, Ian Poulter did. You know, he was. I don't think he did it in a way that was saying it's going to be tough, but. Well, he was, but he was, you know, like you can misconstrue what Ian Poulter is saying, you know, going, this is difficult, rough and all that sort of thing. But the interesting point that he was making is that without the the uh, crowds, as you pointed out, the rough seems to sit two different ways. Whichever way the mower has mowed it, you know, the grain of the grass will fall one way towards the green, which therefore makes it an easy, easier to get out of um, recovery if you've missed the fairway. And then a metre to the left or right, or whichever it may be, the ball's sitting deep in the rough from maybe a metre away because the grain is sitting the other way and therefore almost impossible to get a five iron or a six iron or a seven iron onto. So it was interesting to see that uh, up close and it's 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 pretty deep. But um, as he said, just keep it between the 50 yards between uh, the short stuff and the short stuff on the left and the right and uh, it should be, should be okay. Yeah, I love Pultz. Actually, do you know what? If there's, if there's one person I'd love to see be able to lift a major, you know, even just once, that'd be that man. I don't know. Oh, I know he rubs a lot of people the wrong way, but I just love what he does. Yeah, he's entertaining. He's he's self-deprecating um, and he's quite funny. You know, a lot of those European guys. And it's been interesting watching lockdown because him and... Um, and Tyrrell have been basically rooming together and Pultz does all the cooking. So, you know, every couple of nights you'll see he's, he's got a he's got a particular 
chicken curry dish that he does for for all the boys. And um, yeah, not a bad cook. Oh, Paul. Good Ryder Cup spirit. Good Ryder Cup spirit there. Uh, oh, he's a Ryder Cup captain. In just he's, there we go. He's a, it'd be crazy not to make him a Ryder Cup captain at some point post career. You sort of didn't really talk about your young guns there very much. In very much keep it on the low down. Yeah, okay. Keep it on the low down. I, I, Colin and um, Max, I, I think they're smokies because they're California boys, so they understand putting on power. They've got Colin Morikawa. I don't know. I, I could. I didn't want to make this a Colin Morikawa podcast because I could talk about him all day because just the way he hits the ball is just amazing. So it'd be really good to see him. I think this is going to be – this will be – First major as a professional. Actually, I think that's right. First major as a professional. So it'd be interesting to see how he quits himself. Um, I haven't seen who he's paired with. Actually, no, he's got it there. Stenson and uh, Zach Johnson. Big group, big group. Actually, that's, actually, that's not a bad pairing for him. They haven't they haven't um, stiffed him like they did at the 3M when he got paired with... Um, Patrick Reed and oh, who was the other slow coach? Someone else. Oh, boy. So terrible. Mate, I was just going to ask you, just for the benefit of some of the listeners who don't have as an in-depth understanding of grasses, greens, architecture, and we're going to talk a little bit of architecture in a second uh, when we talk about the most recent LPGA tournament, which was at one of the great golf courses that I think that I've seen. But oh, okay. um, you, know, you talk about California greens california guys who can putt on the greens and power now you and i know what power is but our good friend scott jamison captain of melbourne city uh, football club who had a great win on the weekend up in uh, new south wales he's back in melbourne awaiting the arrival of the birth of his first child and best wishes go out to scott and vicky i know he'll be listening because he asked me the other day who one down four to go catch me who we thought who you thought not me? He doesn't doesn't come to me for my tips on uh, PGA Tour. But who you thought was going to be the winners? Um, so I know he's listening. You've just given him the winners. But help give an understanding of what power grass is and why it is so significant when we talk about the context of golf in California. Uh, so I'm definitely not going to do um, any favours from an agronomy standpoint. All I know is that, especially in Australia, we treat power as a weed. Spray that, spray that junk out of your greens because <clears throat> it's almost like it's moss. And for some reason in California, it seems to be the, the grass of choice on, on a lot of these greens. Um, but what it lends itself to is during the course of a day, depending on the weather, it can actually get a bit bumpy, can get a bit grainy. And so it's one of those ones where you actually, yeah, you can't rely on just being it's it's a pure green. You actually have to call it ride the literal bumps of putting on these things because it gets, spikes marks gets up, it gets bumpy. You know, you get some traffic on there, it can turn the greens a little bit choppy, and you just have to sort of ride it out. And and grain grain wise, I, I know I played name dropping. I played Olympic and. It was good to have local knowledge there when I played. I played Pebble 
and that was the first time you know how you hear all this time you know the the the, the putt breaks to the water or you know the it, the water's over there so that's the way it's going to break and i always would see it here and i'm like what are people talking about with grain like what is it this doesn't make any sense like and it was the third hole at pebble i was right side of the right side of the green pin was on the left green slopes quite severely from back to front so i had essentially we'll call it a foot of break right to left caddy goes left edge i'm like what and he goes it's left edge i'm like no it's left to right putt this is like at least a foot out the right and he goes no water's over there mate left edge and i'm thinking oh it's just a fun round i'm just going to ride this one out i'll just hit it exactly where he tells me to and sure enough i hit it left edge and i watched this ball i felt like defy gravity and just hold that line and then slowly break right up the hill and i hold it for birdie and i still to this day it's vivid as it gets to if you saw that part if that was part of a, a peninsula it's a footer break every day of the week. I hit it to the left side of the cup. It broke left to right. It broke uphill because of the grain. Mm. So those are the things you've got to deal with with this grass. It's just, it's a unique thing to understand all the little nuances. So you can't be, if you've got the yips or you're not a great putter or you just don't understand the little things about grain and things like that and the conditions, this course could actually probably cheer you up a bit on the greens that is well there you go people if you wanted to know a little bit more about pot which is essentially some green keepers will call it a weed but in some parts of the world it grows they treat it like a grass they grow it it's a i don't know if it's a considered a broader leaf uh grass but it does no gro- it does grow very quickly so the speed of the greens can change between morning and afternoon and by the time that you play in the afternoon they can be very bumpy mm-hmm. uh, usually a little softer you know the speed varies uphill and downhill um, relative to to the type of grass and the way that the ball you know and the friction um, surface works with the ball unlike a bent grass green or a um, other type of you know broadleaf grass green and harder greens that we're used to here so it does have a factor especially for some of the players that you know, aren't used to playing on that type of green, although these guys are all very experienced and have played on power, you know, at various levels for a lot of their time. But as you say, it usually throws up some challenges for some players and usually at the time when it means the most. That's what and I then the, And then the other challenge they're going to have there is the Bermuda rough. Yeah, which is that long... We don't we don't have a lot of that here. And, until we, and again, this is another one of those... I, I would hear stories about Bermuda. I can't remember the first time I heard about, uh, I think it was 1990 PGA, which grades one at uh, Shoal Creek. And that one is essentially just thick Bermuda. And you, you know, I'm watching it and I'm hearing stories about how you got to, how you hit it out of the rough, what it does when the ball goes in the rough, how it buries, basically sits at the bottom, really hard to get the club on it. And again, I'm, you know, we play here in Australia. We don't really see this grass. So it's like, oh, I have no idea. And the first, and the, the only course I've played that had Bermuda was, um, again, name drop again, Shadow Creek. And I remember the first fairway I hit, 
I missed. It was the sixth par four. And I looked down at I looked down at the ball. And I look up at my mate. I went, come and have a look at this. He's like, what do you mean? I said, now I understand what they mean. And I looked down and he looked at it and he goes, how are you going to get a club on that? I'm like, oh, I have no idea. It was like the ball had dropped to the bottom of the grass. Like, so you think about the rough was like a couple of inches thick. It had dropped to the bottom and then the leaves had basically just wrapped around it. Mm. And I'm looking at it thinking, how do I get a sand wedge on this to punch it out in the fairway? <laughs> I'm like looking at it. I'm thinking, oh, I just got to make sure I get it back in the fairway. Like, I can't leave this in the rough. And um, I, I had a really good shot just to hit it 40 yards back in the fairway. And so, and it's not like tournament thick. So, so, well, for those that are listening at home, you know, when you look at the rough and it looks like just nicely manicured, another level of length, the type of grass that it is makes it, increases the difficulty of getting it out. So as you said, you know, the longer, wispier, well, it's not wispy, that's not the right way, but it's a long, juicy leaf and it does grab your club. It grabs your ball and pulls oh. it under and then when your club goes into it, it's like it wraps wraps your uh, your club up and slows all of your velocity down with your, your swing. Go and have a look at Ian Poulter's, I think it was Instagram, he posted a little video on yeah, there. Um, go and have a look at that and it explains it perfectly. All right, mate. I've so, still got a photo of that. I'll even send it to you so you can even post it. I will. I will do that. I will do that. I'm now, still, I still, I'm still just. I still think about it today, and it's like that's it's some nasty stuff. So we're going with uh, Brooks and Webb. Um, I've left Abraham answer out there, but I'd love Abraham answer to finish. What you know, in the top ten. Man, who's my man? I've got so many men. Oh, Bobby Mack. Bobby Mack. He got the worst pairing of all time. Who's Bobby Mack paired with? Bobby Mack, for those of you that don't know who we're referring to, Bobby Mack, well, we, okay, we can't lay claim to it, but I reckon in Australia we can probably lay claim to discovering the Scottish left-handed phenom, young phenom from Oban in Scotland, beautiful part of the world, uh, Robert McIntyre, or Bobby Mack, as he's affectionately known to us. Um, and since we did uh, highlight him as, as a young star, he's just risen to prominence. You, you highlighted him nice and early last year, and he contended quite well in the uh, British Open. Yeah, he's one of the uh, Open Champions. He's one of British golf but but more so, you know, Scotland golf's um absolute highlights at the moment and a, just a classic beautiful left-handed swing. Very unassuming young man, just uh, goes about his business and is a pure ball striker of the highest degree. So looking forward to seeing what Bobby Mack can do. Probably won't win, but I would love to see the young man finish oh, up the, Yeah, well, but you know what? He is he is tough. He is tough upstairs. Because he's made of the good stuff, mate. Bobby Mack is made of the good stuff. He's, he doesn't take any any crap from no one, as he's proven at uh, Port Rush last year. Bobby Mack can play with anyone. doesn't matter who he's playing with. He'll be right. Yep. He'll be right. Thanks for bringing Bobby Mack up. I, I love I could talk about Bobby Mack forever. Um, <laughs> now, before we you know sort of wrap it up, the, the girls were back out there. The ladies on the LPGA Tour had their first tournament. Yeah. First tournament um, since uh, the, the lockdown. Lockdown, the drive-on championship. Now, I watched a little bit of it because, as you said, we couldn't watch uh, any of last weekend's tournament because it was on golf TV, and I don't have a golf subscription, golf TV subscription. But I enjoyed watching the girls play immensely. I enjoyed seeing some of the familiar names that we see down here playing at the Vic Open: Danielle Kang, Celine Boutier, Minji Lee and a whole host of the other girls that played. And the three that I just mentioned then obviously finished 
uh, first, second, and third. It was just awesome. Danielle Kang, her game has moved in the last couple of years to the next level. She is a serious, serious golfer now. Great interview I saw between uh, her and a caddy playing one of those games with the cards, trying to guess each other's um, names and traits and behaviours and all that sort of thing. It was really funny, a lot of fun. But the thing that uh, stuck out about this tournament was the course that they were playing on. And they all sort of, I wouldn't say freaked out, it was the right way to describe it, but, you know, they're all commenting, oh, wow, it's our first tournament back, and they put us on like a, a major. It felt like a major to them because they were playing at the wonderful Inverness Golf Course. Yep. Now, what makes the Inverness Golf Course so special to you, Rocket Man? One of Donald Ross's classics, one of his absolute classics. If people want to go and have a look at Inverness, if they didn't see any of the LPGA tournament and they want to familiarise themselves with what they're talking about, how would you describe this particular course as a Donald Ross? What makes it so significant? What are the, what are his design traits, his design vernacular, to use big words when I probably don't understand what they mean? Oh, just, just the traditional stuff that Mr Ross does. Found a really good piece of land leverages a lot of the features, the, the existing topology around some of the routing to give it interesting strategy and just even some of his bunkering and and the greens, right? So even, you know, the restoration job that got done there is bringing the greens back to, you know, how they originally were. And, you know, good old Donald Ross style, dish plates, upside down dish plates, but unlike Pinehurst, actually there is rough and stuff around them. Um, and bunkers and things like that. But again, it's just a good classic strategy course. They've obviously lengthened it for you know, a lot of technology gains and stuff like that over the last sort of couple of decades. But it's just a one, I think it's beautiful. Every hole seems like it's just got a really good um, challenge strategy wise. And generally, really good ball strikers can tend to win around those, those courses. Yeah, it's just a classic. And at the same time, it also holds a sore point in my heart as a two-time losing venue for the Shark. What were those uh, significant tournaments that uh, brought the Shark undone at Inverness? Bob Tway? 86 PGA, the first of the back-to-back hold shots to deny the Shark justice. That, that was in the prime of my uh, teenage years and I rem- remember Bob Tway holding out of the bunker and you could ba- barely see his head and his you know, 1980s style blonde haircut you could barely see his head, he pops it out of the bunker and goes in the hole. If that doesn't hit the flag, it's like goes off the green the other side. Yeah. And what, the, what was the other one? 93. Unbelievable. 93 had two shot lead going the final round and basically takes the gas in the back nine falls into a playoff with Paul Azinger and three putts the second playoff hole. How the first putt, how his birdie putt on 18 in the in the playoff doesn't go in, doesn't break in that last foot and a half. There must be a goalkeeper in there somewhere just wanting to deny the shark justice. Damn it. So let's talk about Donald Ross because, you know, you see these beautiful golf courses and they don't look out of place alongside something that might have been designed in the last 10 years by some of the greats, the contemporaries. Well, it does look out of place because they're fantastic compared well, to what's probably been designed in the last 10 to 15 yeah, years. Yeah, no, fair point and, take that and, and taken. 
what's so significant about Donald Ross? And we probably have spoken about Donald Ross early doors, but it's significant to remind everyone, just reflecting on that ladies' LPGA um, drive-on championship, why was, why was Donald Ross so significant? Well, he's one of the ones that were bringing a lot of the, the game of golf from the, the, the homeland out here, learning from, you know, as many as some of these architects of, of that generation learned from the likes of, you know, old Tom Morris and some of the guys that were building courses or, you know, making, building the game back then. And, you know, bringing a lot of strategy, traditional, and their own flair as well. And I still look at some of these things and I think about, you know, we talked about this even just before the call. Like, it's just amazing to think that, you know, when they're building these things and designing these things back in the 1910s, 1920s, what they're able to create and something that just stands the test of time. And, you know, he's probably one of the more prolific designers. I think he's done uh, north of 300 courses in the US alone. And he did them all in like a 20 year period. And so it wasn't, you know, him doing more designing and then essentially he had all these little different crews that were following him around in different states and stuff like that, that were doing all the implementation of his design work. So he would be teaching them philosophies and things like that, a lot, very much along the same lines as Mackenzie when he came here in terms of, you know, passing on knowledge of, um, you know, shaping design architecture, how to interpret his drawings and, and implement them with obviously their own little touches along the way, but still staying true to the to his core principles to create just phenomenal well, you, pieces of artwork, really. Well, you could say that uh, Mackenzie learnt from the likes of, well, you, not you could, you would say Mackenzie learnt from the likes of a Donald Ross in that process by taking his craft around the country, training up people to then implement his vision and strategy. Um, but things like the turtleback green and the punch bowl green just make some of the Donald Ross's courses uh, fabulous. He was a very accomplished golfer in his own right, but you know, did an apprenticeship with... Um, Old Tom Morris, you know, like he studied with to- old Tom Morris, you know. So we're going well, back to well, the, the well, the well, the double plateau and the punch bowl. They're signature ones for Sebi McDonald and Seth Rayner. So, you know, taken from some of the classic courses like, um, you know, Prestwick, World Zornock, etc. So, you know, it, it, there are some instances where you can see some of these greens, and you know, if you didn't know the course. There are some greens you could look at them and you would be, I myself sometimes have been very confused. If someone put a picture out and they go, I go, oh, that's a Seth Rayner course. No, it's actually a Donald Ross because he, he also did a punch bowl or he also did a double plateau. It's not a, it's actually not a double plateau. It's like more like a four-tier green. They're just amazing things. Some of the courses, some of the courses that he has uh, contributed towards um, – in the states, um, Pinehurst, Pinehurst number two. Uh, oh, that's 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 where he made his home. Yep. Uh, Pinehurst number two, number four, and I think he, I think he did one, two, three, four, and then some of the others were done by others. Aronomy, I don't know too much about that. East Lake, well, East Lake significant. There's been major t- um, tournaments at East Lake, Seminole. So we saw Seminole earlier on this year in that uh, four-person challenge. 
at the East, start of East the Lake is not quite the same. It's not quite original anymore. No. Um, Seminole is probably his probably his greatest work. Easy. So and it reflects in the rankings. So what Oak Hill, Oak Hill, I think the PGA's at the Oak Hill in a couple of years. Anyway, go and research Donald Ross. It was just significant that we thought that that tournament was played on such a significant course and uh, it's got some history in the modern-day tournament play. It will be the home of the Solheim Cup uh, next year when the Solheim Cup gets to uh, return to US soil after being in Scotland last year at uh, Glen Eagles. And, uh, yeah, Donald Ross, there you go. Hope you've learned something, people. Rocket. He's a good man. What else, mate? Um, I have no idea. What, I think the tournaments, oh, I don't know if there's anything else on the PGA. Oh, I'm just really looking forward to it tomorrow morning. Um, seeing a bit of good, tough golf. Oh, I just hope the players that I like to watch are contending. There's nothing worse than watching. I don't, know, I don't like to say it with the lesser lights, but sometimes it doesn't quite float my boat. Actually, I was, you know, I was thinking the other day, it's that you know how, the, um, especially with majors coming around, it's always like the person that we person that um, hasn't won one. It's like who's the who's the best player without a major. Um, and I was thinking about the other day is that, uh, except for say Brooks, Rory, and then obviously Tiger, there aren't many players that have won multiples. So maybe we should start a new category just for this podcast. The best players to have won one. Because there's a lot of them. DJ, JT, Louie. You know, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'm bored tonight while I'm sitting on the couch while Mrs. Um, Mrs. Rocket is watching some show that I don't like. Well, there's your little task. You can uh, float that down your uh, Instagram stories, and I'll repost it. <laughs> Only the appropriate stuff, because I don't repost all of your stuff, Rocket. Because some of yeah, you know. I know. I, I know. I can. <laughs> I can. I can. I'm a habitual line stepper. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a habitual peacekeeper, mate. So, but that's why we work so well. <laughs> yeah, because you have a brand to maintain. I'm still trying to shield. I'm still trying to shield myself because I can't even get buddy. I can't even get Taylor May to give me a bag for the San Francisco Giants. Well, uh, I'm, a, I'm a San Francisco 49er man. I love my Giants. One of our favorite, you know? one of our favorite Taylor made people to give them a shout out if he is to listening this uh, this Come long. On, Benji, this do me long. a solid, mate. Do Al me ben- a solid. Al Benji did give you a bit of a repost on the bag, and he did he did mention that it was probably the most uh, number one um, bribed bag that he had received bribes for. Hey Benji, yeah. can you get me yeah. that bag? Yeah bag on the planet like Taylor may have had some ripping like season opener bags so when they do their theme stuff for the for the opens and this is one of the things that you know that they pump out a lot of stuff and equipment but what I love that they started doing back in 2010 I think it was with the themed bags um oh, I love it oh, I'm actually I'm a little bit nerdy and I actually get excited about seeing what they do and I still think the best ones they ever did were 20, 2011, 2014 Masters um, season opener bags. They were just, they're the best. Oh, I was, I was, they're not cheap. And 
couple of times I've nearly reached in the pocket just to buy a couple of them, just so I could have them. Bit of Michael Ferroni, you know, collection sort of start, style. Well, um, you are one of the only people, humans that I know on the golf course that still do rock a staff bag, even though it is, you know, now yeah, approaching know. vintage status rocket. I'm going to throw you a challenge here and I'm going to hold yeah. you to it because, you know, we've had a long break since we've had a major. And um, so I'm going to get you to go back through your photo albums uh, on the on the uh, interwebs, pull up all of the staff bags that you can find from the brands. That, oh, yeah, I know them all. Yeah, so pull them up and we'll have one of those little challenges, you know, like the, the knockouts, you know, yes or no. So I want you to story that. Find all the bags from the years that you can find them back. So, you know, if there's a a Callaway staff bag from 2010, I want you to find the other staff bag. Yes or no? And 11 and and, and we'll find a winner. We'll have a knockout. You can do that. You're a numbers man. You can make that happen. Homework, (laughs) Rocket. I've had a few. I've had a couple of Spaldings. I had a Maxfly one. Uh, I've had a McGregor which was actually one of the original AIS ones from 92, from the AIS program, from my mate Paul Marshall. Yeah, um, but, but no, I'm talking about the signature ones, not the st- not in staff bags. So your homework is to go and find the brand ones that they do for the season openers. So there's been some... Cla- oh, those ones? Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. I misunderstood. No, I no, not, not staff oh, bags. No, about no, me. Sorry, no, not you. Show, you no, know. it's this is your... I'm giving you a task rocket, so... The okay. season opener bags, as far back as you can find them, put the yeah. brands, brand V brand on your story, yes, no, and we'll find a winner of the best season uh, opener type staff bag. TaylorMade versus whoever. I, it'll be TaylorMade versus whoever. Well, Bridgestone have done some, Callaway have done some, TaylorMade have done some. There's been a handful of others. Your job is to find them and put them up there and we'll find a winner because there's been some rippers and there's been some stinkers. Oh, there haven't. There have been. There have been some stinkers. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Rocket, I think we will leave it there. We've uh, filled up 60 minutes worth of, I don't know what you call it, but uh, some people call it quality. Some people just tune in because we're filling, we're filling some time in their day, and that's a good thing as well. As I and said, they love it, us. And they love, they love you. Um, as I said, look after every, everyone. Look after yourself. Uh, if you need to reach out, if you want to send us a message, we're always here. Please don't be shy to reach out to us or a friend or anyone in this time, stick in there. Send us some pictures of what you're doing with your golf at home. I've got the putting mat here beside me. I've got the 9 by 12 net that I'm going to uh, try and erect and maybe uh, do a bit of a hitting session out there now that I am here not at work. We'll see how we go. All right, mate. Great to chat to you. No, everyone take care. Everyone just, you know, try and do try and do the right thing. Just remember that, you know, we've got to try and get through all this together. So, you know, we've got we've got this far. We just need to just dig deep a little bit long for a little bit longer and we can get through this rubbish and um, everyone just try and have some fun. Well said, mate. Okay, thanks again. Thanks for listening to the My Love of Golf podcast. And until next time you are tuning into us, we will see you then. Thank you. Yeah.